You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Grady, I always like asking this. It's kind of a a generic question, but you have the freedom to take it in any direction you'd like. What were you like growing up, and and what were some of your interests and the things that maybe defined either you or your upbringing or your childhood? Yeah, I think that uh, for the most part, sports was was pretty much my family's life. Uh, it was my connection with my dad. Um, I was a baseball player early on um, and uh, something that, that he enjoyed following and watching. Um, so definitely baseball, uh, played a lot, played through college. Um, you know, played a little bit of other sports here, but, uh, you know, sports certainly was something, always a competitive guy, always somebody that, 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 that liked the, the, the competitive nature of the game and, uh, was okay. Uh, didn't like to lose, but if he got beat, understood that sometimes uh, somebody's just better that day. So, um, I think that's really where, where everything started with, with, you know, me and, and how I kind of became the person I am. It was certainly through sports. So you mentioned playing baseball in college. You went to George Washington. What was that experience like, not only the baseball side of it, but maybe things that ended up impacting you once you stopped playing and and began your professional journey working in sports? Yeah, I think there's transition points in everybody's life, right? You know, when you go off to college, when you go to high school, when you you finish whatever, whatever level you finish, uh, your the thing that you love to do is 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 always a, a, a pivot and a challenge period. I, I will say the first thing to comment about going to George Washington University, wonderful school, wonderful education, um, pretty good baseball program. Actually, the year before I, I got there, they went to the NCAA Division One regional, so they were for a private, expensive school. Um, they, they 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 did a pretty good job. Um, however, the Texas boy was not uh, prepared for the, uh, the the way that baseball starts, and so I guess the first thing I recognize is playing baseball in the snow sucks, and it's something <laughs> that uh, I don't think that uh, should ever happen. So I know that the, the baseball in, in, in a regular world, you know, it gets into the playoffs into October and November, and I, I can't imagine uh, how bad it gets because it's cold. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, played played there, um, had a great time, very very competitive. You know, any Division One school is, is super competitive, and uh, learned a lot about myself. Learned a lot about perseverance and, and working through things because every year they're bringing in another player that can take your spot. And uh, so, you know, the competitive nature of things, which I, I really take a lot into business itself and, and love when um, I'm working with other athletes that were or former athletes because they know how to get knocked down and, and pull themselves back up again. That That's something that I think is, is really a real world uh, scenario. Um, and you get that a lot in sports. And then um, fortunately for me, I, I had an assistant coach um, that moved along to work in baseball on the, on the business side. And, and he called me up and uh, it was kind of a, Hard thing to hear, but reality was, hey, you're not good enough to play in, in Major League Baseball, but you've got the brain for it. Uh, why don't you come work for me at the Greensboro Bats in North Carolina? It was a single-A team for the New York Yankees at the time, and so I actually took a summer off playing baseball, which is rarely you do, do when you're a collegiate athlete, and uh, got to see the ins and outs of, of a minor league baseball team. So went from selling tickets to setting up 
uh, picnics to uh, selling cold beer and programs. Uh, in fact, was even the mascot for for for, for half a day. So um, got to see all the perspectives because clearly working in sports is is something that's that really you got to understand what you're getting into before you do it. So um, I had that transition and, and was able to actually get a job. Um, right out of school, I got an internship with the Texas Rangers, where you are now, and um, and it's history from there. So before we get into your start with the Rangers, we both went to Green Hill, and this is not uh, this question is not meant to to tee you up for some uh, easy promo. I, I I want you to be honest. Uh, what you know, going to a private school is is not something that everyone gets to do. You know, I know for me, I, I had a great experience, and I look at where I am now, and, and Green Hill was influential, uh, you know, for a number of reasons. Uh, but, I, again, I don't want you to feel obligated to to agree just for the sake of it. Did you did you have a, a similar experience getting, uh, I guess, uh, you know, that sort of a, an opportunity and experience at a private school? Did that impact it uh, impact you at all? Yeah, I think I, – I, I think – uh, look, Green Hill was great for me. Um, I, I will say it was a different time, a different era. Uh, you know, Green Hill now is different than Green Hill was today. We don't need to get into that. My kids used to go there. They don't anymore, so I can leave it at that. <laughs> um, but but uh, for me, it was great. I could I could play baseball. I could play volleyball. Um, I could play basketball. And, and again, um, I was pretty good at baseball. I was not very good at volleyball or basketball, but I got a chance to play and, and, and have a good time. Um, I was able to be in student government. I was able to be in, in choir. I was able to try uh, and be on the stage. And so I think it gives you the ability to try um, a bunch of different things and see what you like. And I think that's part of what um, a small private school wants you to do, right? In fact, I was a six foot two senior, 180 pounds, and I can tell you the football team really wanted me to play, but uh, uh, not a lot of uh, you know you got to get all you can with the small schools. So, um, but but I'll tell you that the baseball, you know, the one thing about the private school is it is a little bit homogeneous. Uh, you do get a little bit wrapped up in some of the uh, um, unrealistic uh, facts that not everybody is cut from the same cloth and comes from all uh, from the money and things like that. So, playing baseball, I was able to kind of have both both ends and see things from both sides and so um it was something that really kind of gave me some some perspective and some balance which i liked so yeah i think going to a small private school it, it you know was great for me not for everybody and i also think it does look i went to the we, you know you the same we, we we knew the same kids and you know i went there since the second grade so um you know a little bit of, of change and diversity seems to, to be good for people but greeno certainly worked out for me all right so you you kind of have and, and you mentioned this earlier when you talked about uh, you know filling all sorts of roles, including being the mascot. But you definitely have kind of that traditional blue collar path, starting as an intern, doing all sorts of different things, working your way up. Uh, you mentioned getting that chance with the Rangers. Uh, how did that opportunity specifically come about? Was it just as simple like I'm going to apply for this and I, and I got it, or was there? Uh, is there more of a story to how you ended up starting with the Rangers? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's much of a story. I, you know, I, I applied for a summer internship the, the, the Thanksgiving before when I came home and, and, and honestly uh, was not selected. Um, so that summer of 96, I actually went and worked for the Summer Olympics, uh, the Centennial Olympic Games in Atlanta. And I worked for the USOC in the baseball department and, and worked at Georgia Tech Stadium and so got some of that experience. And 
Um, then I actually went out to California, uh, was, was, was chasing a girl who I quickly found had zero interest in me. Um, and the Rangers actually called because, as you know, baseball is a long season and all of their interns were going back to school. Um, and since I had already graduated, uh, they called and said, hey, look, we got a spot here if you want it. And then so I was actually kind of a post-summer intern, which which came back and uh, there was transition going on. Um, there was change of, of some leadership there, um, which actually gave me opportunity because uh, I just came in and did my job. And uh, and I guess about five months later, the new marketing VP came in and, and I guess liked what I was doing and, and offered me my, my first full-time job, which was, uh, again, you know, getting into sports is difficult. So I was uh, very gracious, uh, even though running a youth ball park and running camps and clinics and tournaments is a, is a very demanding and uh, – extremely rough uh, go for a 23-year-old single kid that uh, doesn't need to watch 8- to 12-year-olds play that much baseball ever. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I guess, again, it got me my start, and so I'll always, it'll always have a special place in my heart. At that time, did you have or do you remember what your, your long-term goals were once you realized, okay, you know, maybe the, the, the business side of sports is what I'm going to pursue because – and we're going to get into your time with the Renegades as the president. You've held several uh, high-ranking positions, uh, you know, whether it was with uh, the Hicks Sports Group or, or specifically the Stars or the Rangers. Were you? Did you have those sorts of goals then, or were you just kind of like palms up? Hey, I'm just going to figure this thing out. I, I really don't necessarily have uh, a plan in place. Yeah, I, see, I, I like sports, and I never knew because, especially back then nobody really saw as much as this as an opportunity as they do today, right? All the schools have a sports management or sports marketing program. Everybody sees these things and it's big business, right? Back, back when I was graduating, there was a couple schools that had the program and, and, and heck the sports management program wasn't even in the business school. So I, I didn't really, didn't really think of it that way. And so I, I just figured, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy that you surround yourself with, with people that you can learn from and, and good things happen and, and young enough and dumb enough to just kind of go with the flow. And um, as I said, I was, I was running the, the, the youth ballpark out there and, and about a year and a half in, it just was just a grind and I needed to move on. And I was actually thinking of going back to business school to get my MBA as, as many people do. And, and uh, the, the sponsorship guy came in and said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you come give, you know, sponsorship sales a try? And, very fortunate because rarely do you go from basically a glorified intern to selling sponsorships, but I guess they saw something in, in, in me and, and gave me that opportunity. But to be, to be fair, to be honest, I, I didn't even think of myself as a salesperson. I, I, I just, I, I, I thought, you know, all salespeople were like used car salesmen. Don't just respect. I have a lot of friends <laughs> in the car sales business, but um, that's what I felt like. And, um, but what I really learned is that sales is all about relationships. It's all about um, getting to know people, getting people to like you, and, and being being real. And, and and so I really realized that I was in the relationship business, not in the in the sales business. And and that really really kicked in. Now, merging with the Dallas Stars in 1999 and the Stars winning the Stanley Cup and and selling uh, that um, was much easier. So that actually helped um, um, project me into the business side of it. But but it really wasn't until I got into the sponsorship sales side that I said, hey, this is real deal, and I can make some money, and I can meet some people and have a really good time, and uh, and I'm sure glad I did it. All right, so I want to get into that 99 season and, and some of the Rangers' successful years. But just in general, uh, what was it like your time at the Hicks Sports Group? Tom Hicks, 
Uh, obviously a really powerful man, influential in the sports world, especially at that time, owning uh, you know multiple properties, including two of the four teams here in the Metroplex. Uh, what sort of experience did did that give you? And, and when you look back on that, how did that help you grow and and become the the successful person that you've become today? Well, I'm extremely uh, grateful to, to Tom Hickson and the family for for not anything particularly they did for me, but just opportunity and opportunity looks you in the face every single day and you, you got to be ready to jump on it and the, you, you hit the nail on the head i was a baseball guy i i played baseball i was selling for the rangers briefly and, and remember the rangers won the, the their division 96 98 99 so if you're in that environment uh it, it's positive we all know what the the, the dfw market looks like with a with a texas ranger team in the playoff it, it's fanatical it's crazy especially in the summer so um, you know, I was having mass success and, and, and honestly was like, man, this is great. But um, then a curveball was thrown with Tom Hicks buying the Texas Rangers. And, and he basically directly threw us all into not just the, the baseball sales business, but the hockey sales business. And, and I'll be honest, I knew nothing about hockey. Um, I, I just never hadn't been around it. But um, clearly um, having to sell hockey and, and, and luckily with them winning, in 99 and, and going back to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2000 and losing in Game 6, um, it was such an amazing experience that um, now I'm selling basically two playoff contending teams in a city that loves its, its sports teams, especially when they win. And and, and that opportunity was something that, um, that, that not many people get to do. In sports, and particularly if you want to grow and, 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 and move up in the world, you got to move cities and move teams and do all these things. But for me, I had the ability to sell hockey. I had the ability to sell baseball. And as you remember, he owned the Mesquite Championship Rodeo, which we, you know, I, I again, I don't even own a pair of boots or listen to country music, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I ate plenty of barbecue out there and, 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 and learned about that. So really just learning about different ways of sports, different things, different strategies, right? Some rodeos are, are, are just over the weekend. Well, this was like a, uh, you know, like the season-long um, uh, rodeo. So, Learning how different things to do it and, and, and giving me different perspective was, was something that was was uh, extremely exciting. And then when he bought Liverpool, well, that was short-lived and, and not sure it went as well as anybody had hoped. I, I had the chance to kind of dig into European Premier League uh, uh, football and, and see what that was all about. And um, that was uh, something that, you know, again, I, I went to a Liverpool game and it was uh, an amazing experience. So lots of great things. But the biggest thing is, is that I was able to stay in this, basically with the same organization, but get a ton of experience and, and move up the ranks without having to leave the city or, or, or switch teams. Uh, I was going to ask about the rodeo. I, I was going to tell you, I think I'm the only person in Texas without a cowboy hat and a belt buckle, but maybe uh, I'm not the only one after you all. Just found, you just found your <laughs> other guy. There you go. Uh, so... You know, I, I think, and, and you talked about just how much easier maybe it made your job when the, the teams were winning. What other experiences came with the Stars winning the Stanley Cup and the Rangers, uh, you know, making the playoffs in, in those seasons? And then, obviously, uh, it took a while until they got back to the playoffs. But but just what what was that like beyond maybe making uh, the, the sales part a little bit easier? What was just the general experience like being a part of an organization having that level of success? Or, um, sports was still not as sophisticated as it is today. Teams were being sold, but not nearly for the for the amount of money that they were doing. I mean, just the numbers were so much. So, 
so as an organization, we were smaller, we were we were family oriented, we everybody cared for each other, and and I know we'll get into the renegades, but that's really stuck with me the most is that you can do your job, you can work hard, you can have high expectations, but you still can do it with looking out for for the best interest for everybody, not just for your people that work for you, but but also for the, the managers ahead. So you know, I I still have. I still remember, um, you know, those times early on um, and how great it was just because um, things were, were so tight-knit. We were just a tight family. And, you know, there was when you merged the Stars and the, and the Rangers, uh, the, the cultures of the two back in the day from the front office perspective was a bit different. So um, you did have a little bit of interesting uh, clashes there. But I was so young and, and, and so just open-minded that I didn't really get, get caught up into those politics. But... Um, you know, those experiences and those playoff games and, and, and certainly winning the Stanley Cup. And, and uh, you know, I'll still re- remember losing the Stanley Cup. Unfortunately, you remember the losses more than the wins sometimes. But that game six was, was a tough one against New Jersey. And, um, and just those experiences that, that people, people like to do because they love sports. But then when you're actually you know, vested in because you work for the team, it's just it's really hard to describe. And it's why I really love what I've been able to do so, to do, doing so far. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, and, and, and again, just just to, uh, just even to fast forward, it, it really is what made that 2010 Rangers season more special. Um, as as you remember, that the, the team was in bankruptcy and, and there was a bunch of turmoil, and, and honestly, the team was not very good. No no expectations. Uh, we had a very small staff because we just split from the stars, and um, you know we were able to to, to take this this team that was kind of wondering what the heck's going to happen and then they made the playoffs and then made it to the World Series beating the arch rival Yankees and it was just something that, that you know, remember the people I was standing around and sitting around and, and I know they do too and it's, uh, you know, again, it's just one of those things that just is what makes sports so great. Alright, so you you take a take a bit of a leap and you uh, you get an opportunity to join the XFL and become the president of the Dallas Renegades. Uh, I remember having a conversation with you after you'd accepted the role and you kind of talked to me about, you know, what pushed you in that direction. I, I, I'm wondering if you could kind of rehash why you decided to, you know, leave a, a, a team and an organization, a part of a league that was established and, and take a chance and, and get this great opportunity with an upstart league that I think a lot of people thought second time around was going to have a lot of success. Yeah, it, look, I had a, uh, you know, once the, the Rangers and the Stars split, I went, as I mentioned, went back to the Rangers uh, for the 10 and 11 season. And then um, when the Stars were sold, uh, jumped back over there for the last, I guess, in, in 2012. And, and had a, we had a great run. We, we really helped kind of pull that team um, financially out from where it was because it went through bankruptcy as well. And, and great ownership came in to, to give us all the resources we needed to do a great job. And, and you know, made the playoffs kind of every other year. And, and, and honestly, I guess the, the, the last season that I was there, they made it to the second round of the playoffs and lost in game seven, triple overtime to the Blues. And, and just a great experience. But, I, you know, I was comfortable. And, I, and, and, and the president there, Brad Alberts, and CEO, uh, Jim Leith, are, are terrific people. And, and, and they care for me. And, and, and I will say they didn't want to see me go. I, 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 uh, I think that we had a good thing going. But um, I, I really had to, you know, put things in perspective and, and what I realized is I wasn't 
you know, I, I was doing my job and I was working hard, but I was extremely comfortable, right? I had a great job. I was making decent money. I had some good perks and, and I, and I really knew what was going on and, and the XFL would be unknown. And you really, what I really found is that comfort sometimes can be crippling, right? It can make you stay in a position in a place that you are because the unknown is a bit scary risk. People don't like it. And, um, you know, it's just something shook loose at one point where I said, you know what, sometimes you got to take a risk, but sometimes you got to give it a shot. And, and I looked, and there's a lot of positives. I love football. Um, I love being in Dallas, and it was giving me the opportunity. And honestly, um, I, I was going to be able to run the entire ship from a, from a business standpoint. So uh, believe me, it was not an easy decision, um, and it was made a lot easier with the support of my friends and family. And I will tell you, the Dallas Stars were incredibly supportive and, and honestly said, look, we love you here, but you got to go take this job. This is great for you, and, and we wish you well. So um, it was uh, it was a lot of that, but believe me, it was a lot of painstaking agony uh, going through it, a lot of sleepless nights, um, and uh, uh, something that, uh, you know, again, it really tests who you are, and, and, and uh, it, it was a decision that, that was made. So... What's it like being a part of the, the the birth of a league, or I guess in this case the rebirth? What what were some of the things? You know, I imagine a president of, of a team is is maybe not handed the same responsibilities prior to their first year uh, or or their first year on the job as you were. So, what were some of the things that were really fun and exciting for you to to have your hands uh, and and fingerprints over this new league? What what was what were those first few months like? Yeah, I, I think that first and foremost, you know, the people in the XFL that I interviewed with and talked to, I mean, everybody was on the same page. This is going to be hard, but we are going to do something that we're going to be extremely proud of. And being able to create something from nothing, especially a sports team, that opportunity comes around along very, very few times. And, and so for me, the excitement was, you know, I get to put a team together. I get to, I get to put my money where my mouth is, right? I like to have a great culture. Well, I'm going to make sure the culture is strong. I'm going to find great people. And and but again, we had a very short period of time to put it together. Um, and again, this was this was not a rebirth. This was a completely separate league from the first time XFL. The only thing that was was similar was the name and the fact that Vince McMahon was behind it. But this league was completely different um, on purpose. Um, and so we were creating everything from, from scratch and we had great help with some consultants and some agencies from the national perspective, but, you know, I had to go out there and find a group of people that were, you know, as dedicated as I was and as bought in because we had to figure out everything from soup to nuts. I mean, I was running around trying to find office space and I was working with my friends at the Rangers on the, the lease agreement of Globe Life, um, park, you know, to make sure that was all nailed down and. You know, and then we had to hold our breath and hope that the, the football field was constructed in time because remember, it was still a baseball team and still a baseball field until <laughs> um, probably two, three weeks before we started. So there was a lot of anxiety, but just a lot of pride put into that. And, and, and you know, I, I try not to be dramatic, but, but it was it was our, our baby. And it wasn't just my baby. It was all 23 of us who worked there. It was it was our baby. And, and and we, we loved it, and we loved the Renegades, and we were Renegades. And um, I think that, look, it wasn't perfect, but um, and we, we were already playing it for a year or two, ready to go. But, but all the things that I said before were the things that made it so exciting is that 
going into the unknown is scary, but man, when you when you get to kind of pick and choose what how you do it is is, is very fun. Grady, I so Oliver Luck was had a big role in the league and and while, you know, he's maybe not the most public person ever, I, I think it, it's easy to understand it with his background and, and his past responsibilities, uh, you know, why he, you know, was probably such a great guy for that job. I'm curious, though, what your experience with Vince McMahon was like, just because this, this guy seems so fascinating and on on the surface, you might think certain things about him, but then you take a step back and, and realize that he's created this wrestling empire and and maybe the the guy off camera is way different than the guy on camera. I'm just curious if you know if you had enough time with him or, or what you, were your experiences with Vince McMahon. Yeah, I had I had one experience with him. Uh, he came in uh, during one of our presidents get-together. So once I was the last president hired, so once I was hired, uh, everybody came together with all the head coaches um, in Stanford, Connecticut, and, and we basically had quote-unquote league meetings and planning meetings and 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 Vince came in and sat down with the, with the eight presidents and, and and basically just kind of talked to us and gave us his thoughts and we asked him some questions I can tell you I I, I wasn't um I, I did I didn't know a lot about him um you know look I know he's a he's a marketing guru and he's done very very well with WWE um I know he's a very strong uh confident man um but but everything in that one meeting and, and he spoke we spoke for about an hour, an hour, a little over an hour, was all positive, you know, all things that that he was 100% behind this and in it, and uh, and really made us all feel good. Um, I, I felt comfortable with him. I, I felt like he was a genuine, um, positive man and had, had great intentions for this league. And, and, and really, I mean, even during that meeting, talked about what the future may bring after year one and year two and year three are successful. All right. Now, speaking of the future, uh, I, I know we've talked and, you know, you, you were, I think, one of the reasons why what, what's gone down is so disappointing is that things were going so well. Uh, so instead of asking how did you think things were going, why were things going so well? What were the things that stood out to you that led you to believe that you guys really had something brewing for not just this year, but the next several years? Well, again, and we, we were successful within every metric that you can that you look at from from broadcast numbers um, to attendance to uh, to social media numbers and following uh, the XFL was an overarching the best startup league ever for the first year right and and there's a lot of reasons why um, the first reason why is people love football. And it is, it's, it's unbelievable how much people love football. Um, the other thing is, is people want something that's affordable and accessible. We created a league where people could show up for 25 to 100 bucks, all lower level seats. Um, and in our case at Globe Life Park, uh, we had $6 beers, which were very affordable. And, and people came, and it was their team. The naysayers always talked about it wasn't the NFL, and there was no people didn't have the history with this team. But people just want to be a part of things, and if you open your arms to them and say, "Hey, we want you," and we listen to you, and we ask questions, we do surveys. What can we do? How can we be better? People love that. And what was the most telling of how successful we were 
was when you got to the stadium and you saw all the North Texas and Renegade fans that were dressed up in how they thought a Renegade should look, right? Nobody told them what a Renegade is. We have a logo, but people dressed up and they had custom hats and they had capes and they had bandanas and they had all these different things. And it just shows you that, yeah, we may have only had 17,000 people in the lower level, which is pretty much a full bowl in a 40,000 feet facility. But all 17,000 of those people are true fans that are yelling and screaming. You don't have the businessmen that are entertained in suits. Everybody's yelling and screaming. And so you ask the players, they felt like this was a rocket stadium, and we tried to help with all the in-game activities and pre-game, um, tailgating, and all the things that we could do to make things as fun as possible for the fans, and most importantly, affordable. And that's what people want. And some people can't afford to go to some of the sports teams. And, and I'm not saying sports teams, other sports teams should change their model. They can't. But that's why the XFL was successful, and, and that's why um, people really enjoyed it, was because it could become their own league and their own team, and I really think they embraced it. How how did the decision to uh, not just suspend but shut the league down go down from your perspective? And uh, you know, obviously, this is unprecedented. There's no playbook for what uh, the coronavirus kind of presented as far as challenges. But was this something you saw coming? Was the rug kind of pulled from under you? What, what was that experience like? Well, I think you could say the proverbial rug was pulled out from under everybody. And uh, I was having, uh, I was talking to. Uh, one of our coaching coaches uh, uh, yesterday, actually, and, and, and they they were already planning for securing their teams and making trades for next season um, up until that Wednesday before the Friday that we were let go, and and we were we were planning moving full forward with everything. Um, I had conversation with with high level people um, that that were saying, "Hey, we have proof of performance. Here's the proof." And as I talked about all the analytics that we had, and it wasn't until probably the, the Monday of, before the Friday that everything ended when there was a decision that all of the season ticket holders were given the choice to either get a refund for the rest of the season or they could carry it over to next season. And, and, and I think about 40 to 50% actually chose to keep it on the books. So just leave it and let us hold on to it, and they'll buy their season tickets for next year. But at some point, there was a... Uh, a message that we had decided to give them all their money back. And at that point, uh, I think we all realized uh, we were in a little bit of trouble because uh, nobody likes to give money back, do they? <laughs> so um, did I think we were going to be all terminated? Did I see furlough? Did I say, hey, we're going to stop business until November and see what's going on? 100%. Um, so it was a little bit of a... Uh, uh, again, as you mentioned, the, the rug was definitely pulled out from underneath us. Um, and, and I can tell you to a T, people are still trying to grasp reality and, and figure out what happened because things were going so well and everybody was having so much fun. All right, Grady, last thing for me. I, I referenced our phone call, uh, I think it was this past summer, when you were sharing with me uh, you know, why you made this decision. And I know you, you provided that answer a few minutes ago, but I remember... Uh, hanging up and and kind of being pumped up because you did something that a lot of people talk about, but maybe they don't have, you know, not to sound dramatic, but the courage to do. And, and you took a risk and you knew that when, when you talked to me, you admitted, Hey, this is a risk. You know, again, you're not joining the NFL or the NBA or, uh, you know, an established league, 
but I, I was fired up because, you know, that's, it's awesome to be able to do that. Uh, and you know, you recognized it was a risk and I, I guess I'm just curious, uh, and, and maybe your thoughts on this, cause it, it's still relatively speaking is so fresh or still evolving, but what did you, as someone who spent as much time, uh, working as you had prior to this role, what did you learn about yourself from this experience? Uh, was, was there anything new or, or anything that you look back on and, and, and think about not just proudly because of the league success, but your own personal challenges and experiences? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how this is going to come across. Um, but I will tell you, um, I'm extraordinarily proud of myself. Um, I feel that, as I mentioned before, I was so comfortable and I was crippled and I, and I was afraid to take that chance. And what I recognize is uh, me and, and if this is a generalization for other people is taking a risk is good. Putting yourself and being vulnerable is okay. Because you know what? Even if it fails and it fails for your fault or nobody else's fault like a virus, um, you really learn about who you are and what you can accomplish. I, you know, I was always pigeonholed as this baseball guy that could sell sponsorships. Well, I put together a, a, a football team in a, in a new football league, and we did a great job. Were we perfect? No. Um, did I know a lot about marketing strategy and tactics? No, but I certainly figured it out. And also, when you hire good people, that's a great thing to do. So I learned that taking a risk is great, and people need to know that it's not a, if you get knocked down, get back up. And if you get knocked down twice, Stand up again, and all those things are fine um, because if you have a good head on your shoulders and good support systems and good work ethic, it, it's going to work out. And um, I don't know what's next for me. Um, you know, I'm doing a little bit of consulting right now and trying to figure things out. I'm still licking my wounds, trying to figure the things out. But one thing I can tell you is, I help. I hold my head extremely high, um, not because we were a success but because I took this risk and we were a success, if that makes sense. And um, I did learn that, um, you know, I'm confident in, in my abilities. And no matter what the challenge may be put in front of me, I'm going to figure it out. And and that's something that, uh, that's not, I'm, I'm not the only person alone. Every, lots of people out there should have that attitude because um, it's just fact. It's the way it is. And I'm extremely proud that I took the risk. Um, am I sad that they're gone or gone and it's not there again? Um, but I'm ready to stick my neck out there for the next thing that's there and, 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 and take it as it comes. 